We're in the Gospel of John, and I hope you brought your Bibles this morning, because uh, we're going to hop around to a few different places and, um, and look up a few different scriptures, because I, I want to uh, dig out this morning um, the idea that, that we want to talk about from the scripture, and, and hopefully everybody, um, uh, as we go through, can see uh, how the different pieces add up as we look in the, um, in the Bible. So we're in uh, John chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 28. It says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received a drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. So we're talking about, the, the sermon title is, is on uh, the, the forgotten day of, of Easter week. We're talking about sad, the Saturday of Easter week. And there's two things I want to talk about. Last week we talked about the silence. Um, the, they, the disciples had Jesus die on Friday and they had the day of Saturday where it was silent. They didn't know what had gone on because they hadn't got to Easter Sunday yet. And we talked about how in our walks of faith there's going to be those times where God is silent. And I would encourage you, if you need, if you didn't hear that message last week and need to hear that because you're going through a time where it feels like God is silent, you go on the Facebook page and watch the video there or go on a podcast platform and listen to the sermon there because we all go through times like that. This morning we want to shift over and talk about a different thing about that Saturday that, that goes in a completely different direction, but that is important for us to, to understand with regard to living a life that satisfies us and living a life that, that has the kind of satisfaction that we want it to have. I, I just got an email uh, this morning from somebody talking about there, there was an area of their life that, that was not satisfactory to them. They didn't feel satisfied there. And within our lives, we want that to happen. And so this morning, we want to talk about a really important truth for us to get there in terms of the satisfaction that we desire to have in our lives. If you have your sermon outline, if you're visiting with us, there's a sermon outline in your bulletin. You're welcome to follow along. Uh, there as we uh, as we fill in the blanks and we want to talk we want to start by talking about a well-earned rest some of the best rest comes from finished work completed well some of the best rest comes from finished work completed well so let's just pick a random example so the the, the downstairs at your house has been looking terrible for a while the walls need painted and some other updates need done, and finally decide, okay, I'm on vacation this week, this is the week I'm going to do it. And so you go and you get everything, and you work hard for two days. You, you, you do, you're doing the painting, you're doing the other things, and then when you're with those two days of hard work, you, you, you stand there and you kind of look at it, your spouse comes in, you know, of course she has to evaluate, and, and see how everything looks, and, and you're sitting there looking at it, and you feel like, man, you know, this looks so much better. Everything really looks sharp now, and it's the way that I wanted it. And that evening as you go to bed, there's that, there's that rest that you're going to have, that satisfaction of knowing I did this work and I did it well and I completed what I wanted to complete. There's a satisfaction there. And as we think about that, there's two passages I want to look at. I want to come back to John 19. But flip with me for a second all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We want to talk about God the Father with regard to that and then talk about Jesus with regard to uh, to that idea. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2, 
it says this. Genesis 2, 2. This is, of course, the creation account. And it says, By the seventh day God had finished the work He had been doing, so on the seventh day He rested from all His work. So let me give you two examples. These are in your sermon outline of what we're talking about. The first example is this. God the Father enjoyed the Sabbath day after the creation. God the Father enjoyed the Sabbath day after the creation. So we go back to Genesis and we have God the Father doing the creating. We know that He creates everything in six days. And I want you to notice the two key verbs, or the two key words here, rather. Uh, there, there are two verbs in, the, in these sentences that we want to focus on because it sets a pattern for not only what Jesus is going to do, but also for what we need to do. Notice it says, by the seventh day God had what? Finished. He had finished. So he has a certain amount of work that he's supposed to do, that, that he desires to do in bringing forth the creation. He finished the work. He finished it. And then what does it say? So on the seventh day he what? Rested from the work. So he finished the work that he was supposed to do, and then he rested from that. And of course, we know that is the first Sabbath day, uh, and God the Father didn't have to rest because he was tired, because of course he has infinite power and infinite ability, but he rested as a pattern for us that we are to do a certain amount of work, and then we are to have a day of rest. So we finish our work, and then we rest in that satisfaction of knowing that we did the work, that God the Father that he did the work and did it well. Now notice the exact same thing. Let's go back to John chapter 19 where we were a moment ago. And I want you to notice the same pattern again, and then we're going to apply it to our lives. In John chapter 19, uh, let's just go down to verse 30. So I just read this a moment ago. And this, of course, is Jesus. He's coming to the end of his life. He is on the cross. And in Genesis, I'm sorry, in John chapter 19 and verse 30, it says, when he had received the, the drink, Jesus said, it is what? It's finished. It's finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's keep going, though. We didn't read this earlier. Let's read verse 31. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. So the second example is this. God the Son enjoyed the Sabbath day after the recreation. God the Son, enjoyed, Jesus the Son, enjoyed the Sabbath day after the recreation. So let's unpack that, and I'll get into what I mean by recreation. So in verse 30 we read that Jesus says, it is finished. Now what does that mean? It means Jesus had a certain amount of work that he needed to do. He had a certain thing he wanted to accomplish that God the Father decided. And we'll look at some passages here more about that in a minute. And so God, and so Jesus, he wasn't just saying in that moment, all right, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done for the day. But Jesus had a certain work that he was trying to accomplish. That work was that he would die for our sins, having lived a perfect life, and then give us the opportunity through his death on the cross to be forgiven and to have salvation. Amen? And so we have that opportunity because of what Jesus did. Jesus had this work. He's doing the work. And when he comes to the end here, it's not just like, I'm done. Like, okay, I don't have to do anything anymore. But when he says it is finished, he means he accomplished what God the Father wanted him to do. He accomplished what God the Father wanted him to do. But then notice after that, now of course that was on Friday. We talk about Good Friday of Easter week. And then you go 
verse 31 says, now that now it was the day of preparation. So that right then when that happened, that was on Friday. And then notice what it says next. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Now it says special because this was Passover week, and there's lots of importance. It's a different sermon to get into the importance of this being Passover week and Jesus being our Passover lamb. But notice the next day was to be a Sabbath. It was to be a Sabbath. So Jesus does everything that He needs to do. He dies on a Friday. He has finished His work. And what's the next thing He does? He rests. Why? Because there was a certain amount of work. There was a certain thing that God the Father desired for Him to do. It had to do, of course, with our salvation, our opportunity to come to God. And then having finished that, Jesus then rests. Now, I said in the sermon outline there, and I need to explain that term, because we talked earlier in example one about the creation, and then I said it's parallel from the creation to Jesus working in what I'm calling the recreation. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. So in the creation, we have God the Father creating a world. Was it flawed or was it perfect at that point? It was perfect at that point. there, There was no sin in the world. And then we came along within that creation, and we sinned, we rebelled against God, and the world fell. And so we live within that fall. As Jesus comes, Jesus doesn't just come to die on a cross so we can be forgiven and then continue to do all the sin that we were doing before, but rather Jesus comes for what one of the terms you can use for it is that He comes for a recreation. And what I mean by that is that is this, that as we look at the fall, what happened in Genesis, and then we come forward to today, and we come, well, we come forward to Jesus dying on the cross, then we come all the way forward to today. Jesus comes that we might have the opportunity in the Garden of Eden, there was a perfect communion. There was a connection between God and His creation. And we broke that through the fall. And Jesus comes that that might be restored, that we might have that connection again. And that we might be able through that to be able to be a part of Him redeeming the world. God the Father, we talked about this last uh, year when we were talking about the, the end times sermon series. God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in the process of working as you read all the way over in Revelation 21 and 22. God is not just kind of throwing everything away. God is in the process of recreating. God is in the process of redeeming. God is in the process of renewing. And what He has done in Jesus starts all that process in our hearts. He has started the process of what He's going to do with the entire world within us. And we are the firstborn among the dead. We are the firstborn of that recreation because God the Father hasn't given up on the world. But through Jesus, God is going to bring us back to where we can once again have perfect fellowship with God. Now, as we understand that, we want to take that idea and talk about that there's finished and then there's rest. And we want to, uh, I want to take that and try to understand that as it applies to our lives. And I want to look at a few passages to get there. So there is, as it says in the outline there, finding the satisfaction of finish. So the pattern there isn't just true of God the Father in the Garden of Eden where He finished the work and then He rested. And it isn't true, just true of Jesus where He finished the work and then He rested. But it is also true for us as well. And this idea of us coming to the place where we have finished the work that God has given us. And that in finishing that work, there is a place of satisfaction. Like going back to the example I used earlier, in a much, 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 much smaller scale. When I worked for those two days, 
to, to, to make the downstairs look the way that I want it to, and I've done all that hard work, and at the end of those two days I go to bed and I'm like, I completed what I wanted to complete. I can have satisfaction in that. In a far, far more profound way, in each of our lives, not just the deacons, not just the preacher, not just the choir, in each of our lives, there is a work that God wants to do, and as we do that work, we have the opportunity as we go forward to reach a place of the satisfaction of having finished what God desires for us to do. Now, let's talk about what that looks like, because I want to unpack it clearly. Um, first place we need to look is, let's go, we're still in John. Let's go back to John chapter 4 and John 5 for a second. John 4 and John 5. We're going to compare Jesus and what He went through to us. Jesus isn't just our Savior, He's also the pattern. The way that He lived our lives is the way that we are to live our lives. So I want to look in John for a second and then over in Ephesians chapter 2. Alright, let me give you the point in your sermon outline and then we'll look at these two passages. So, point number one is this. Like Jesus, we have work assigned from the Father to complete. Like Jesus, we have work assigned from the Father to complete. So here in John chapter 4, let's look at 32 and 34. John 4, 32 and 34. This is uh, right after Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, the disciples come back and he's, he's talking to them and they think he wants something to eat physically. Verse 32, He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Listen, this is important. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You get that? This wasn't like, well, you know, if I get around to it, I'll do it. Or, well, you know, if I have to, I'll do it. Jesus says, and when he means by food, he's not saying he doesn't have to eat because he obviously we all have to eat. And Jesus was a human being just like us, even though He was without sin. He had to eat or He would have died. What He's saying is, do you want to know the thing that drives me? Do you want to know the thing that, that gives me the deepest satisfaction? Do you want to know the thing that means more to me than anything else? My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. The, the thing I want to do more than anything else the thing that is the deepest in my heart, the thing that is the most important to my soul, I want to do the work that my Father has assigned me to do and finish that work to be pleasing to Him and to have the satisfaction of knowing I have finished what He, what he called me to do. That's what Jesus wanted to do. And He said it was so important that it was His food. Look with me over in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. So in Ephesians 2, we have, uh, in verses 8 and 9, we have the really famous uh, thing about how we can get saved. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Alright, so we understand from that, we are saved by grace through faith. Amen? And so it is by the grace of God He comes in. If you're not saved this morning, you cannot work your way to salvation, you can't come to church a certain number of Sundays, he says, well, you've earned it now. All we can do is come to God and say, God, I need salvation by grace. It is by the grace of what God is willing to give into my life. And I access that, not by my works, but by faith. 
It is my faith in Jesus Christ that allows me to have that salvation. So we come there and we understand that our salvation begins by grace through faith. But a lot of people quit at the end of verse 9. And it's really important, especially for what we're talking about this morning, to see what verse 10 says. So now having been saved, look at what verse 10 says. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's three things there. Let's unpack all three of them. Number one, for we are God's handiwork. What does that mean? It means as you look at the entire creation, and, uh, and this world is amazing, you look at all the physical things that this world has and all that God has created, it is amazing. And yet the thing that matters most, the thing that is the highest point of creation is humanity. We are the handiwork of God. That's, that, that is both incredibly exciting because it means, you know what, God doesn't make junk. And, and so each of us, if you are here this morning, you're like, I just feel like I'm trash. I feel like I'm not any good. I don't feel like I matter at all. No! You are God's handiwork. God has created you as the highest thing in His creation. And so we need to understand that we are God's handiwork. That, that, that elevates it, but it also reminds us, hey, you know what? You're pretty valuable. You should do something with that. Second thing, there he says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What does that mean? It does not mean that we are saved by works. It doesn't mean that we have to work a certain amount or that we won't be saved. What it means is, when I am saved by grace through faith, I receive that in. Having received that in, I don't then go forward and work so that I can be saved. I go forward and work because I have been saved. God has come into my life and He's transformed my life. When, when I met Karen years ago, and, and, you know, within two weeks, and this story has really come back to haunt us because, you know, I'll say, Within two weeks, we knew we were, we, this was it. And we were engaged at three months, and we were married at 11 months. And so when Evan and Allie started going out, and, and Evan was talking about getting married, and you know, he thought, no, you need to take your time. Well, you guys were married at 11 months. You know, it, it comes back to bite you. And, and thankfully, they, they have a great marriage also. But as you, as you think about that, we have been created to do good work. And so we go forward in that, knowing that we have the opportunity to do something back to God. As I said a moment ago, so Karen and I knew almost immediately that, that we this was it. We, we were going to be married. This is the person I wanted to spend my life with. And as I went forward in that, I, I, I didn't, it wasn't when I had to do things for her, it wasn't like, Ugh. I have to I, I have to go and and and, and help her today because she's doing this, or oh, I gotta go out to dinner with her or whatever. You know what? She's awesome. And, and I want to spend time with her, and I love spending time with her. And so I went forward in my marriage, not, well, I have to, but I can't believe that I get somebody that's great in my life. I want to do this. Well, in a far more profound way than that, Jesus Christ comes in, He transforms our lives, He gives us salvation, and we get to go forward doing things for Him, not because we have to or because you know we, we feel obligated. We go forward because we want to, because of all that Jesus has done for us. And then look, this is really interesting in what we're talking about this morning, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These works that He has, well, you know, I know the preacher, he's important, he has to do something, or I know that missionary over there, he has something important he has to do. No, God prepared every single one of us when we are saved. God doesn't just say, I don't know, go do something, try to be useful in some way. 
in every single one of our lives, there are people that only you can reach. There's people that only you can impact. There's opportunities that only you can take for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And God doesn't just randomly hope it all works out. In every single one of our lives, God has prepared works in advance for us to do. God has prepared things that He desires for us to do. Because in each of our lives, He wants us to matter and to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And so as we understand all that today, to go back to what we were talking about a moment ago, when we understand that Jesus had a certain thing that He needed to do, God the Father had a certain thing that He needed to do, it's also true for us. There's a certain thing that God wants us to do. And the question we need to ask is this. Jesus said, this work is so important. It's my food. It's what matters to me more than anything else. Is accomplishing what God wants to do in my life the thing that matters to me more than anything else? Or is it a, eh, if I get to it, I'll do it, and if not, I won't. He desires, He desires for us to complete the work He has assigned for us. Second thing is this. The second thing is this. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12 for just a second. Hebrews 12. There is a really wild thing that is said here that doesn't make any sense if you don't understand the context. I want to look at Hebrews 12 for the example of Jesus, and I want to look at Matthew 25 for the example in our lives. The second point is this. Like Jesus, accomplishing that will lead us to a place of joyful satisfaction. Like Jesus, accomplishing that will lead us to a place of joyful satisfaction. So there is work assigned from the Father for each of us to complete. Jesus had it. We have it as well. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says that. In, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, let's talk about this place of joyful satisfaction for Jesus, and then let's talk about what it looks like for us. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Let's read one to get a run at it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And all God's people said, Amen. That's a good verse right there. I should preach on that. That's pretty good. Look at what it says in verse 2. This is important for what we're talking about this morning. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of of faith, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Those first few words in that sentence don't make any sense when you first read them. For the joy set before Him. What does that mean? I mean, he, He's dying on a cross. It's a bloody mess. He is taking upon Himself all the sins of the world. Where was the joy in that? There was no joy in Him doing that. No, it's not talking about for the joy set before Him, Him hanging on the cross. What he's talking about there is he endured the cross. He went through that because it was necessary for the joy set before him. The joy set before him was the opportunity to offer us salvation. It was the opportunity to say to me, all right, Jim, you're in a situation where you can't do anything to save yourself. You have no way to get back to God. There is no bridge there. And through me hanging on the cross, I'm going to be the bridge from where you are to where God is. And now there is the opportunity for you to be in the presence of God, worshiping Him as a recreated new human being 
for all of eternity through what I have done on the cross. Isn't that awesome? And so as we look at that there, it says, for the joy set before me endured the cross. He had that joyful satisfaction of knowing every single person that goes into eternity in Jesus Christ, there is joyful satisfaction for Jesus in knowing you are only here because of what you are here because I died on the cross for you. What joyful satisfaction to know that He made the difference for us. Go to Matthew 25. So, uh, Jim, that can't have anything to do with our lives. Well, actually, in Matthew 25, there's a really interesting phrase that's very similar. It's a parable about um, the... the um, the stewardship that we have in this life, the, the opportunities God gives us, I think financial <coughs> financial and, and relational, and all, all the opportunities we have to work for God, the opportunities we have to make a difference for Him. So these different people are given amounts of money, and then in Matthew 25, 21, um, the, the one who was given a certain job to do, he had five, uh, it's referred to here as five bags of gold, he was told to do something with that. He works, this reminds us of Ephesians chapter 2. He does something with what he is told to do. He earns five more bags of gold with what he was entrusted. So this servant worked. This servant did what he was told to do. He accomplished the, the work that the master wanted him to do. Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's just pause there for a second. Don't you want to hear that someday? Don't you want to hear the, the Master say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we need to remember, like we've talked about before, not everybody hears that. That's not just a, a consolation prize when you get to heaven. It happens for those who have actually done something with what God asked them to do, who have actually worked for the kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. That has to do with the, the work in eternity is going to have us to do. But here's what I'm interested in. Come and share in your master's happiness. I, I really, that's the way the NIV translates it. I really kind of prefer the, the, the old King James there because in the old King James, if I remember right, it says, enter into your master's joy or enter into the joy of your master. Now, we said right here, point number two, joyful satisfaction. If I, let's just talk about me for a second. God has assigned, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, God has assigned a certain amount of work, a certain thing that He wants me to accomplish. And as I do that, as I try to be faithful and go forward in that, there, there are certain things that I'm able to do for the kingdom of God. And someday, as I go before Him, let's go back to a second. Jesus does the things that God the Father assigned to Him, and now, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, He has the joyful satisfaction of seeing the results of that and knowing that He has pleased the Father and accomplished that. In my own life, as I have the opportunity to do what He has asked me to do, I do that, and as I do that, someday I will enter into eternity and stand in the presence of God, stand in the presence of Christ, and within that, I will hear, if I have been faithful in doing the work that He has assigned me to do, I will hear Jesus say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. You see how this brings those two things together? In that moment, there will be joyful satisfaction. 
joyful satisfaction. The joyful thing is that I have pleased Jesus Christ. And the satisfaction is He's told me to do a certain thing. He asked me to do a certain amount of work, and I did that to His honor. There is joyful satisfaction available for each of us if we do what we've been called to do. Which leads us to the third thing. The third thing is this. Like Jesus, we do our part and trust God and trust the Father to do His part. Like Jesus, we do our part and trust the Father to do His part. Look with me in Acts chapter 2 and verse 24 for a second. There's two more verses I want to look, two more passages I want to look at, and then I'm done for the morning. Acts chapter 2 and verse 24. So again, we're going to talk about Jesus first, and we're going to talk about us. All right? Acts chapter 2 and verse 24. So we talked about Jesus accomplishing what He accomplished. We talked about His death on the cross. Let's talk for a second about as He died that, that Saturday, that Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning before He resurrects. So Jesus is dead. He has done what God the Father asked Him to do. He has died on the cross as, as the, the atonement for our sins. And now He is resting. Listen to what Acts chapter 2, verse 24 says. This is interesting. But God raised Him from the dead, freeing Him from the... This is Jesus. But God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing Him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Him. Now, let's talk about the last part first just because I really like that. So when Jesus dies on the cross, you know, I wonder in that moment if Satan was like, hey, I think we won. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on Him. Easter Sunday was never in doubt, folks. Jesus was going to raise from the dead because it was impossible for death to hold on to Him. But notice the other thing, and this is what I really want to emphasize for what we're talking about this morning. But God raised Him from the dead. So Jesus had, Philippians chapter 2, 5-11, Jesus had emptied Himself as He became human. He no longer had the power um, in, within Himself. Instead, we've preached on this before, He allowed the power of God the Father flowing through Him to do the miracle. He allowed the wisdom of God the Father flowing through Him to guide Him. Jesus was dependent on God the Father to direct Him in where He needed to go. And so when Jesus dies on the cross, he does not die knowing, okay, well listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be dead for a, a day and a, for three days. I'm gonna be dead from Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning. But as I'm dead for that period of time, uh, I, I'm gonna, Sunday morning, I'm gonna raise myself from the dead. No. Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. What happened on Sunday morning? But God, that's God the Father, but God raised him from the dead. What does that mean? Jesus had His part to do, and that was He had to be faithful to God the Father in dying on the cross for our sins so that we may have the opportunity for salvation. And God the Father had to do His part. Jesus died in total trust that as He died on the cross, He did not have in within Himself at that moment because He had emptied Himself of His power. Philippians chapter 2. He had emptied Himself of that power. He did not have the ability to raise Himself from the dead at that point. He was trusting in God the Father to raise Him from the dead. The power of God the Father to raise him up. And so he did his part and he trusted that God the Father would do his part. 
Look with me in Hebrews uh, chapter 4 for a second. This is the last passage I want to look at. As we look, talk about us for a second. So, Jesus knew that He had to do His part and that God the Father would do His part. In, a, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, Hebrews 4, 8 through 11. Bill Cook likes hearing all those pages turn, don't you, Bill? I do. I like hearing those pages turn, too. I'm glad everybody's turning over there. Hebrews 4, verse 8. For, jo- for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Look at verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So, right now, we are to work. Right now, we are to do the things that God has asked us to do. How do we do that? We obey Jesus Christ. We do everything that He asks us to do. We understand His teaching. And as we obey, He will direct us in what He wants us to do. We don't have to go make up some kind of a plan. We just simply obey Jesus in everything we have been called to do. And as we do that, we will come to a place where we have that Sabbath rest. We will have that day, that time of rest, knowing that we have done everything that we need to do. And within that, there is the combination of us and God. I am to do what God the Father asks me to do, and He will bring about, He will guide me, He will direct me, He will provide the power. Let's go to what Bill mentioned earlier. We're all praying for fire from heaven. Jim, explain to me the plan on how we are going to bring about fire from heaven. You know what my answer to that is? That's not my job. That's not my job. What's my job? My job is to do what Jesus puts in front of me every day and to obey His teaching as well as I can. And as I obey those things, I believe that God will put me and God will bring all the pieces together so that fire from heaven can happen. Fire from heaven isn't our responsibility. Fire from heaven is God's responsibility. We just simply are to obey Him. And as we do that, that's my part and God will do His part. And as we go forward doing our part, trusting that God will do His part, we will accomplish what He desires for us to do. And then having done that, someday... Going to Hebrews chapter 4 there, we will enter into the rest that He has for us. I said at the beginning, we're talking about satisfaction. It's easy in the day and age in which we live to think, okay, I'm going to watch as many idiotic videos on Facebook as I can, and I'm going to stay on social media all the time, and I'm just going to go do stuff that, that I enjoy, and We've been made for more than to be entertained all the time. We've been made for more than to just go and do whatever we want to do so that we can find some shallow, worldly happiness. We've been made and remade into the image of God that we might go forth and finish the work that God the Father has for us. And as we go forward and do that, then, and only then, will there come a day where we, having finished our work, can rest with joyful satisfaction. We look forward to that day. But our job today is to finish the work He has asked us to do. Let's pray.
Father, what a privilege that you would give us work to do that matters in your kingdom. What a privilege that you would make our lives matter for the kingdom. And I pray this morning, Father, for each of us that are here in this room and for those that are watching on the live stream, I pray that we would honestly ask ourselves in this moment if finishing your work is our food. If we deeply desire to obey you and to walk with you and to in so doing partner with you in what you want to accomplish through our lives. Or if we're just here to bide our time and go on Sunday. Father, help us to finish our work that we might rest in joyful satisfaction Sunday. Pray in Jesus' name. Our song this morning is I'll Go where you want me to go. And as we stand and sing this morning, if you desire to spend a moment at the altar in what we've talked about this morning, and just saying, Father, I want to finish the work you have for me. I want to be faithful in that. I want to honor you with my life. I invite you, whether it's at the altar or the front pew, to come forward and spend a moment in prayer just asking God to help you to do the things that, that He intends for your life. I mentioned earlier about being saved when we were talking about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, it happens by grace through faith. And if you want to receive Him in this morning, Bill Cook's up front, I'm up front, either of us would love to pray with you. It's simply a matter of asking Him and then beginning to walk forward with Him. We're going to stand and sing, I'll go where you want me to go. And maybe the starting place to go this morning is to the altar as we stand and sing.